This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello everyone, uh, welcome to another podcast session by the Kenyan Wall Street and HISA team. Today, just as usual, every Monday, we always looking at, um, at at markets, how markets have performed, how the local and uh, the local market mainly. Um, every Friday, we host the We're Curious podcast where we look on how global markets have performed. But for Monday, as usual, we always talking about how the local market has performed, how the market has opened, and just having an overview of what's likely to happen in the coming week. My name is Felix Oche, and I'm your host. Joining me today, we have two special guests. Uh, as usual, we always um, I know there are few people who we've always been able to uh, to invite, and today we also have a new addition to the team. Maybe I'll just let them introduce themselves. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Davis Kadenji. I'm a financial analyst, and I'm glad to be here with you today. Hi everyone, my name is Leon Jiroge. and yes, I'm glad to be here with you today. The famous Leah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, lady and gentlemen, uh, maybe we just um, push this through into how markets performed last week. Um, maybe just to start off with the financials. That before we get into, we take a deep, a deep dive into the markets. Let's probably start off with the financials. Um, we had companies. We had Kenya Power. We had um, Kenjin. We had Unga Group release the results, and also East African Portland Cement. Uh, maybe just to share your thoughts, um, maybe start with you, Davis. What what were your thoughts? Do you think that the companies reported um, probably some sound financial results and probably which company were you really looking into? Um, well, okay. I looked at all of them. I was impressed by Kenjin's results. While those are decrease in um, profits, of course, because of... Uh, the tax advantage that they had uh, last year, they, that wasn't in effect this time. Still, the in a pretty good position. Uh, cash in equivalence is around 10 billion. It's a solid company. I also looked at um, KPLC, uh, a company which really intrigues me. So, I actually also saw the full year 20 financials. Um, there are a lot of concerns when I look at that company. For example, finance costs are extremely high. Like for the year ended full year, 20 um, finance costs were around 12 billion and then for this uh, half year 21 finance costs thus far have been 8 billion now that is insanely high because that means that for full year 21 it's likely to be above 15 billion that will really cut into uh, the company's any any form of profits that they would have otherwise had and then I also saw that um, something like like what the <laughs> operating what? operating expenses literally ate up their gross profits 100% which is really uh, really bad of course that's for full year 20 so uh, that is of concern for EAPC uh, the company of course is still struggling hoping that their restructuring program will improve the company over time but the prospects still, still seem dim uh, Unga Group of course struggling with the finance costs, uh, the lack of payments for, by the government which is all um, 
unfortunate, uh, but still a solid company. People will always eat, of course. Um, uh, among other things that they're struggling with is the increase of commodity prices. Of course, that was global because of supply chain disruptions, but um, I believe in the long term they will recover well. Yeah, those are my uh, short insights into those companies. This is very interesting. Um, I believe a lot of us have always been wondering about Kenya, Kenya Power as, um, as, as a company in terms of performance because we know that the underlying for that company, the company has quite a very high potential. But one thing that we are always wondering about is most likely um, what's, what's, what's really uh, going to really happen to the company in terms of future prospects, mostly to shareholders. Maybe if you just um, share your thoughts, do you think now that you've mentioned that uh, the company is technically in a in a negative um, direction, do you think that shareholders would still be able to hold? What would be your opinion? Um, do you think we can be able to continue buying a little bit more on 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 Kenya Power, or or you'd advise a hold uh, for the stock? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not <laughs> our financial advisor. Um, KPLC, that's a very interesting company. It's been at a net negative working capital position for the past four or five years. Um, it's technically insolvent, actually. In fact, the reason it's surviving is because of a tax credit that it received from the government last year, which um, mitigated its loss from a potential loss of $7 billion to a loss of $900 million. Again, that's for the year ended full year 24, full year 21, while it's admirable what they've done, they've reduced um, expenses by around 4 billion, from 22 billion to 18 billion. While that is admirable, it's not exactly sustainable. So um, they need to mitigate their finance costs. Their finance costs continue increasing uh, through each and every year, which is really, really bad, because all they're doing is that the refinancing the um, loans and they're hoping to, it's in a sense kicking the can down the road. Eventually it will implode on them. It will end uh, quite negatively. So the future prospects seem bad. We're still waiting for the review uh, with regard to tariffs. If there was, some, there was something that would save the company, it would be that. If they were to increase electricity prices by 20%. Of course um, there is political risk in that regard, given that the government is one that has a large say in the same and that there's an election year next year. Um, we're still not sure how that will pan out, but uh, yeah, the future prospects seem really dim. <laughs> no pun intended for KPLC. Uh, I don't know, and, and then um, I'm just joined in by, 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 by um, one, one of our usual um, attendees, uh, the CEO of HISA. That's um, Eric Asuma. Uh, Eric, maybe do you agree with Davis on, on Kenya Power? What would be your take um, on, on, on KPLC at this moment? Would you, where do you think that um, the company's future is probably headed to in terms of shareholder returns? Okay. That, uh, hi, everyone. Uh, sp speaking on Kenya Power, I think uh, it, it's really a tough call. It's a tough call given wh where they are. Uh, looking at their numbers, uh, looking at their numbers, I saw uh, what really caught my eye. I think was the uh, the increase in finance costs. I think which was majorly due to the uh, to the depreciation of the the weakening of the Kenya shilling uh, during the period. But from a shareholders uh, from a shareholder return perspective, personally. Uh, maybe in the long run uh, they, they are a monopoly in this market but when you look at 
in terms of uh, the returns both from uh, the numbers bottom line and uh, the, the share price it's, it's not been impressive for me uh, when you try compare that to Kenjen it's Kenjen on the other hand as it's more of um, it's been good for shareholders unlike Kenya Power which is a monopoly they haven't really uh, performed as expected yeah actually on that you know <laughs> if you held Kenya Power from 2011 till now you'd be down 92% ROI like if you had a million there, you'd have eighty thousand now. <laughs> Not exactly the Whoa. best returns. <laughs> um, so I, I believe I believe that's something very huge. Um, if you had Kenya Power ten years ago, yeah, and right now you're probably that's ninety two thousand in terms of losses. Uh, to those of you who right. bought Kenya Power, maybe you can be able to also just share your experiences. Um, have you been able to get returns? I know some people have probably been trading a little bit on the technical aspect. And I know there are a few guys here and there who've been able to make a little bit of returns. You can always be able to share your your thoughts and, and views on, on the stock. Um, but for now, I think we are agreeing that the future for Kenya Power is, is slightly dim. Uh, but then there's still a lot more that can be done by the company to ensure that shareholders and also generally the performance of the company uh, takes a little bit of a positive end. And also shareholders get a little bit of, 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 of returns as well. But also just one thing I would really want to mention on Kenya Power is that we, we saw the, the cash and cash equivalents for KPLC turn positive um, to about 1.7 billion from a negative of 6 billion in the first half uh, for the financial year 2020. Um, so I, I don't know what, what, what probably Davis do you think that would probably have because I looked on the financials for Kenya Power and uh, I think that was probably the only positive thing that the company really had. Um, I don't know what what are your thoughts on, on on that. Do you think that is something to still probably affect the company in terms of uh, profitability? Uh, well, it's a positive in that at least they have some cash on hand. Of course, that cash on hand will eventually end up in Kenjin's hands <laughs> and making these debt payments, etc. Um, it's really hard to see the positives for the company. Of course. If you are a shareholder, the one thing you must bear in mind, the, the government can't actually let this company collapse. Because in fact, Kenya won't have power. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, the, and it would be quite a crazy process of if, um, what, if they actually allowed Kenya power to declare bankruptcy, they'd have to create a new entity, move um, all of Kenya power's assets to that new entity, convert the debt into equity, and then, eh, you see, it's a very, very long process. So the b better alternative is to always save the company. So in that regard, the government is likely to save the company. And that's why uh, my bullish case, case for KPLC will, would be if there's a tariff review to increase electricity prices. Okay. Of course, the, um, these decisions would be more politically made rather than economically, unfortunately, because of um, the fact that the government owns over 50% of the company. But if you are to invest in that company i'd really wait for that tariff review which we are supposed to hear uh, anytime soon yeah all right um i think we've had a little bit of overview on financials maybe if um if if, if eric wants to add anything we on the financial bit before we move to something very interesting that happened last week um on nation media uh, eric you have anything on financials uh not really i think we've uh, we've touched on uh, Maybe we can uh, jump into nation media, which is quite interesting. <laughs> All right, guys, and once again, we always put a little bit of a disclaimer. Remember that this is not a 
advice to probably buy or sell a security you as an investor you're always required to be able to do your in-depth analysis and research before you make any investment decision uh, so maybe just to move on to the next bit Eric uh, to start off with you I know you 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 you're in the media space and 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 probably also just generally looking at the performance for nation media mm-hmm. then the company comes up with with this um, share buyback mm-hmm. uh, that they that they now have in um, generally what's your take that's a good one uh, uh, now I've been I've, I've a very keen interest in the media space uh, I've been keenly watching that space and we're looking at nation media's uh, business model in terms of how the question is how do you price that sort of share price because when you look at nation media group when we had the bull run of i think 2015 2014 2015 there i think at the time the company was trading at over 300 or 350 there about which i think was one of the all time highs at the time uh, the way the media space operates their revenues were extremely high because you know it's when it comes to the print side of the business uh, it, it, it was basically, it was basically a cash cow yeah so for them to generate let's say over 10 billion revenues in a year that was much easier because the corporates that advertise us it's much easier to let's say the example that I always give is that one corporate can spend as much as even up to 5 million on, on a daily basis on the print but the economics of that business have changed completely to due to the internet uh, because I'll, I'll i'll look at it this way why spend let's say 1 million kenyan shillings on one page on one full page advert and then uh, in terms of con- conversions and even getting the kind of awareness that hold the same through the internet it's it's the difference is so much it, it's wider Uh, so I think what happened is that invest in my own opinion investors are pricing in the changes uh, uh, the, the changes in the, in the business model of the company then that led the share price I think falling to it's been trading at one of the all-time lows at the moment and I think that corresponds with the, with their revenues which have been declining consistently over the years uh, I think when you speak to when you speak to people in the industry Uh, about about the share buyback nation themselves i think the board and everyone they think the share the stock is undervalued I think that was the main reason that they, they issued that was one of the main reason that they issued a buyback which i think it's basically the first company locally to to do a buyback right mm-hmm. uh, the other thing that uh, i thought was was important uh, they, they i think they, they also recently issued a a bonus uh from neutron felix yes yes they did yeah they they, they did issue a bonus at yeah. a rate of 1 for every 10 yeah 1 1 to 10 so in my own opinion it's basically the management or the or the, or the board thinks the company is undervalued so probably this will be a good time to to buy to buy the share price to buy the stock i think since they made the announcement the share price uh within the two days Two trading days was up by around 20, nearly 20%. Yes. And then, and then even just right now mm-hmm. as as we discuss on market open mm-hmm. nation media has already gone up about 9 in trading. Mm-hmm. Uh, so since the results were, since the the announcement the corporate action 
was made nmg was trading at 13 shillings and 80 cents now it's trading at 17 shillings and 70 cents as we as we are live right now so i think we um i don't know what what you guys think are we likely to continue expecting a little bit of a rally on nmg i think for me the question is uh in as much as they do they do all this uh what's what's like what's going what's going to change in the bottom line yeah are, are the revenues going to change uh, in as much as they they, have, they say they have embraced the digital media mm-hmm. how is that going to affect the bottom line can that replace the kind of billions that they were able to get on print yeah that's a good question actually um the Washington Post, which is a good uh, comparison, was actually struggling before Jeff Bezos bought it. And then now they moved everything digital and now the company is actually thriving. So we really need to see the impact of this digital shift. Actually, I think a miscalculation that NMG made a few years back is that they bought a bigger printer. Um, and the reason that they gave was that they wanted to make higher quality newspapers, etc which was a miscalculation in that they weren't looking toward the future of the industry, which of course was the internet. Uh, as we sit here, I don't think many of us have read a newspaper in, in a yeah. while, <laughs> uh, unless it's maybe a digital copy. So it's a good thing that they've moved online, uh, yeah. and we just hope to see the effects of that. Of course, uh, the management of appears bullish with regard to the share buyback program. Of course, they haven't said at what price, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, if they're bullish with regard to the new strategy moving online possibly shareholders uh, should be too but we should wait for the financials to see uh, the impact that it's had thus far I, I think one more comment will be on i think what the power of the internet offers the legacy media houses is basically distribution mm-hmm. and when it comes to distribution unless you are able if you want to uh, let's say uh, put a paywall on on your website or, mm-hmm. or the digital platform what drives that what what drives people to to pay for that will be basically content so i think if nation can beef up the content and make uh, generally generate exclusive content that you can't find anywhere maybe in the long run uh, people will embrace it yeah. all right um so i think that's those are very important aspects so we've been having a little bit of a dive on companies and maybe just right now we move a little bit uh, further and just have a little an, an overview of, of how the markets performed. Uh, last week we saw um, the indices probably take a little bit of a they cooled off from the recent uh, rally. We saw the the NSE All Share Index coming down by just a, a slight zero point one percent. That's week on week uh, to close the week at uh, one sixty five point three nine basis points. We saw at least. Because generally, whatever we've been seeing uh, for a better part of the of the month was that whenever the NSC All Share Index and the NSC 25 Share Index edged up, we saw um, the NSC 20 lose. But now, for the first time this week, we actually seen the NSC 20 uh, edge up and move just by by quite a little bit of a margin, about 1.4 percent in terms of trading. Uh, maybe just to start off with that before we move to the 25 Share Index, which also shed about 0.4 percent. Uh, what are your takes on the index performance? Um, okay, so I, I believe I saw that data. The foreigners especially took a net selling position, if, if I'm not wrong. Um, and a lot are moving away from, especially financial counters, uh, some are selling off EABL, maybe taking in the gains from uh, the recent um, rally. So 
since it's March, of course, a lot of banks will be giving their financial results. So it's almost as if, especially foreign um, investors are taking a wait and see approach, hence the net selling position, especially on counters such as KCB and equity, so as to see how the financials will pan out. Um, as we, I believe we discussed once before, 50, around 54% of the total loan book in Kenya was actually restructured in light of COVID happening and the like. Now, a lot of those loans will end up being non-performing loans, unfortunately, even though the economy has opened up, etc. So we really need to see uh, how non-performing loans will perform um, on a case-by-case -case basis, like depending on the different banks. Why I personally expected equity to be really hit, considering that a lot of their loan portfolio is comprised of SMEs, but they actually weren't. Um, they're actually performing okay. But going forward, I'm really looking to see the, uh, the impact of non-performing loans on each of these banks. You know, like if you look at it, of course, there are two ways to analyze a company, either top down or bottom up. You know, top down is when you look at the economy and then now you start working your way down. Bottom up is when you look at the individual company and then work your way up in a sense. If I look at it top down, our economy um, faces a myriad of factors, among them being the fact that um, in light of our reducing revenues um, and our interest expenses on our debt, uh, the government is increasing taxes far and wide. So the effect of this is that companies are either retrenching or, yeah, the retrenching and their bottom lines are getting hurt. Now this will affect um, how they service their loans, which will of course affect banks. So you see, it's a, like a domino effect of sorts, uh, which will trickle all the way down. So hoping that things improve, but I believe there's a wait-and-see approach being taken on by investors at this time, especially toward banks. But I believe that banks, on their part, adequately provisioned, like their loan-loss provisions were adequate um, early on, and so we long to see the impact of that and the effects on the market. Okay, speaking of banks, um, most of them, I think, have, uh, most of the big banks have already issued a profit warning uh, that they are fully, uh, they are fully, uh, for 2020 results will be below 25%. I think in the coming week, uh, from this week and the other week, uh, a lot of a lot of these banks will be releasing their earnings uh, for that particular period. And I think, given that they've already issued a profit warning, so it's expected that the numbers won't be good. But I think banks are resilient, specifically for I think for economy, the banks are resilient. Looking at the top, uh, the tier one, uh, tier two banks, the challenge I think is on the on the tier three banks. Uh, most of them aren't re really listed. So, but I think in, in the long run, I see the banks uh, overcoming the pandemic, and of course, they'll be at the core of the performance, uh, the, the bounce back of the economy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that's very interesting. Maybe, Davis, which banks are you are you looking for? Uh, which banks are you generally having a look at? Uh, since we already know, uh, personally for me, I'm, I'm really looking on how KCB will be will, will, will perform, considering there's been a little uh, less activity in terms of corporate actions for KCB. We've seen um, Equity Bank do a little bit of activity here and there to excite shareholders, including the acquisitions in DRC um, and also the rebranding and everything else, and also just having a little bit of a, uh, keeping investors up to date with a few footprints here and there. Um, I'm hoping that Equity Bank will actually be able to pay in, um, dividends to, to investors 
um, uh, maybe I don't know what bank Save is looking really really looking at, uh, but my main interest would really be on how KCB is going to perform. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of banks may give may there may be a dividend drought in a sense, and okay, KCB might be forced to actually give a dividend on the basis that the government is one of the largest shareholders there. But don't quote me. <laughs> anyway, uh, but um, I like equities uh, digitization strategy. I believe that is a really good way going forward. Um, the expansion into DRC is a good play, albeit uh, they have political risk, of course, because Congo is really unstable. Um, but going forward, the prospects seem bright. The banks I'm looking at, uh, just similar to you, KCB, equity, and uh, Stanchat as a dividend play, because uh, that one tends to give really good dividends, I believe. Uh, though uh, this time round, of course, we're expecting a drought. I actually foresee possibly more banks giving out bonus issues of sorts <coughs> to compensate um, such that they have adequate uh, liquidity on hand for oh. anything, really. Yeah. If, if, if you're looking on bonus, it would also be very interesting to remember that NCBA actually issued a bonus uh, last year. Uh, it would be a challenge to see if the bank would be able to uh, to, to continue giving out, say, another bonus to, to, to investors, uh, considering it's not the first time that NCBA um, as a bank brings in a bonus uh, in terms of dividend. They, they, they did this previously when they were still, when the bank was still uh, NIC uh, before the merger with, with CBA. Uh, it, but it would be very interesting just to see how the company would also react when, they, when the results come trickling in. Uh, maybe uh, another thing is that Copbank uh, had also issued a profit warning, um, a shareholder statement, uh, so, so to say. Uh, so maybe that's another company that would be interesting to just look up, uh, look into. Um, Equity Bank has there's something very interesting about Congo that I was trying to look at about uh, the lending rates in Congo, where in 2010 um, the lending rates in Congo were as high as 56 percent. And in 2019, the rates were at about 26%. Last year, in 2020, I know there was data about the rates being marked at about um, 18%. I think if 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 um if Equity Bank was to probably put in a lot more funds on the fixed income segment in uh, to the to, in DRC, um, generally by just uh, performing the lending business. I think that would be something that would be very interesting to see how that performs. That is also just in spite of the instability that we have um, in the DRC. Um, but but let's really hope that we have a little bit of more stability with a more formal government and more active um, administration now in place. Uh, we hope that things will be able to turn in positive. Um, also, just one thing as we move into the last segment of our session. Um, generally looking on the fixed income segment, um, there is data from uh, KNBS that um, actually showed that the economy slid into a recession in, in third quarter 2020. The GDP contracted um, about 1.1%. What are your thoughts? Do you think we are likely, do you think we are still in the same situation or we probably pulled out of that situation? I know most, most of the time we saw general um, analysis, we didn't have the data from KNBS but now it's here indicating that the GDP actually contracted. Um, and also just to push in onto that, we are seeing uh, the government as well through the central bank open another um, tap sale for, for, for bond. We are seeing 
um, that, that was last week. I think the bond closed in last week. And um, I see, uh, I'm seeing the government ra raised about 7.16 billion. Uh, this is from the bonds that we had mentioned on Monday. I believe um, those of you who were, who were in last week on Monday, we, we spoke about these bonds, the bonds that were open. The FXD1, the fixed rate bond 2013, the 15-year bond. And also the fixed rate uh, bond, the 2012, the 20-year bond. Um, I don't know what are your thoughts. Do you think we, just as usual, as we discuss on the few things about the economy, are we likely to see the government continue um, ra um, raising more funds through, through, through the fixed income segment? And just generally, how viable is it considering that we are constantly seeing, um, we, we, we are seeing data that indicates that we slid into, into a recession uh, sometime back then? And also just finally, for, for, for the, um, all of you who are in, also just to mention um, a few things that you are likely to see, which sectors are you probably having a positive outlook on, on, on the government. I know that we had um, a little bit of analysis done earlier on in the year by, by Kwame Owino, uh, that's from um, iCare, who mentioned a bit, a little bit of, of, of um, his, his optimism in the agricultural sector. Uh, considering that our economy is largely supported by, by agriculture. Uh, but I would really want to see just what are your growth prospects. The main reason why we are actually discussing about this, for those of you who are wondering, because even the companies that are listed on the NSC, they have to be, they, they have a little bit of support that comes in from the operations and how the economy performs at large. And finally, um, where is our inflation headed? I know those are a few more things that we probably We've, we've, we have touched on four things that maybe I would want someone to just pick on and just touch on it randomly. Maybe we start with Eric. Okay. Um, okay. Looking at the most uh, recent data from the CPK shows that deposit rates, I think, have dropped by around 6.3 or so last year, December, from around uh, 7.1 uh, in December 2019. Um, just reading comments from uh, the CEO of Kenya Bankers, he said that the decrease shows uh, the rate the decrease in the rate shows a decreased appetite for banks to mobilize funding going onward and demand for loans is not high so my thinking is that still there's demand for government paper and we are likely to continue to likely to see that going forward maybe until when the economy is much more stable that that's when things might change uh, do you think the inflation is likely to continue? Do you think we're likely to have um, a little bit? What Generally, what's your outlook in terms of inflation? Um, do you think we're likely to see inflation ease or we're likely to see it rise um, a bit over time? Uh, what was the recent, the most, the February, what, what was the February inflation uh, rate? 5.8%. That was as, as of last week, right? Yes, I'm not wrong. Compared to the previous month? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd have uh, to but look definitely, what we know is that it was on a positive rise. Okay. So I, I think it would be interesting just to also just see maybe another thing that that our central bank can actually start um, putting on is to and, and and I saw this used to be done some time back um, by KNBS, but we need to probably have uh, more of like a Kenya shilling index that's. We need to, because I know what we really have is to track it against the USD. But if we can try just having a normal Kenya shilling index in terms of the the, the basket, uh, 
performance. We we're seeing that really um, controlling a little bit, controlling a little bit of some decisions in in Japan. We have the Japanese yen, the green basket. We also have the U.S. dollar index the, uh, for the green basket. I think that's one thing that we can al always be able to just uh, maybe CBK might be having that in, in um, probably in their pipeline. I know that that's something that will be very interesting to look into. Maybe just turning to Davis before we conclude the session. Okay, uh, you've asked many questions, <laughs> so I'll try to answer uh, what I remember. Of course, um, with regard to inflation, the entire world is facing some form of inflation, whether it be asset price inflation or inflation as measured by the consumer price index, that's CPI. Um, so because of the supply chain shocks that were experienced throughout the world, uh, with regard to the fact that supply supply slowed down or was forced to slow down because demand was expected to go down and that's what happened and then now demand is picking up uh, of course for commodities demand is picking up faster than supply is able to go online in a sense and so that's why we're experiencing uh, supply shocks uh, with regard to for example unga uh, you know means prices going up the prices of raw materials going up and affecting its bottom line etc so inflation is likely to go up now for kenya <laughs> long term i see our inflation going up um, a bit significantly the reason being again because our revenues are seemingly stagnating and have been impacted especially by covid and the like and so the government in a bid to increase revenues increasing taxes which is affecting uh, bottom lines uh, for companies and hurting individuals, etc., which will only serve to reduce revenues rather than actually increase it. So it's like a, it negates the attempts that they're actually, um, or the things that they're trying to do. In the long run, if it gets to a point, like I believe last year, um, what, or actually this, this coming year, one trillion will go towards debt repayment. That's a third of our budget. If, I'm not mistaken. That's and beginning July, right? Yes, yes, yes. Mm. And this amount just keeps on going up, up, up. You have to realize, and if actually, if you look at um, data by the CBK very, very uh, clearly, a lot of the loans that we are taking up isn't actually going towards development expenditure, but rather it's going towards recurrent expenditure and debt repayment. So it's like taking an insurance loan to pay an Atala loan. You get, of course, this is unsustainable. Eventually, the house of cards will come tumbling down, uh, in a sense, and then you add corruption into the mix. Now, it may, it again, this is me, keyword being me, because uh, as we look a bit long term, but, but again, it's always good to take an economist's not point of view, the pinch of salt, because I mean, how many rich economists do you know? <laughs> yeah, so, now, in the long run, it, the government may actually be forced to print money to pay local debt. Remember, our local debt is Kenya shilling denominated, uh, foreign debt is USD. Now, if our revenues are being strained and a lot of it is going toward recurrent expenditure and um, debt repayment, at one point or another, rather than declare a default, the government may, might be forced to print. Again, this is not a guarantee, however, this is among the things that we look um, into as risks, you know, as investors. Mm -hmm. This, of course, would drive inflation way up because unlike in the US where they, whereby they can just print money and this a lot of this money is going towards assets since um, this is something called the cantillon effect. So effectively, when a nation goes to um, get national resources, for example, gold, they go and mine gold, yeah? Mm -hmm. That gold will reach those closest to the king. 
you get and so in that way when the fed prints money a lot of this money goes towards um those who have assets those who are holding bonds and in fact these bonds that they are holding are bought by the fed in premium since driving bond prices down even though bond prices have actually started to go up as people are dumping them recently which is actually a positive because if inflation hits the us now yes, inflation no. is measured by the cpi this inflation will serve to reduce Kenya's uh, dollar-denominated debt, which is a very good thing. But so, eh, I've said many things that are <laughs> confused. But so now, um, yeah, our debt, our inflation is likely to go up in the long run because uh, okay. of the supply chain shocks, because of the risk that the government may actually be forced to print money to pay local debt, which again, unlike the US, won't go towards assets. Um, rather, it will re- literally reach the economy because uh, this money will go towards uh, banks, etc., who will lend it out and like that, like that, uh, which will trickle down to the rest of the economy. So uh, those are the negatives that we may face and we prepare accordingly. You know, you buy gold as a hedge uh, with regard to all these things or cryptocurrency assets as a hedge against um, the loss of or the depreciation of the dollar because of all the printing that's going on etc so looking at it at a global perspective and local there are a lot of things to be on um to be on the lookout for in a sense my two my my two cents on that i think uh, looking at last week's Feb figures from KNBS think that was we hit nearly a one. Um, the inflation rate is almost at a one year high, an eleven an eleven month high, five point seven eight percent, five point seven eight percent compared to almost it's actually nearly a one year uh, nearly a one year high. I think the question is how do you protect your money against such inflation? Should you save in USD? Should you buy crypto? Should you buy government paper? Uh, How do you protect your money to make sure you you are above the inflation rate? And another question should be, I think, when usually when uh, CBK releases the bi-monthly MPC uh, statements, usually uh, they always target the inflation to be within, uh, they, they have their own target range. So I don't know if the current inflation is within the government's target range. Yes, I believe it should be, mm-hmm. if I'm not wrong. And with regard to where you should invest your money, um, invest your money first of all in tangible assets. Okay. So a good, okay, a good place to be would be, for example, in gold. Gold tends to act as a hedge. You get so as inflation goes up, the price of gold will just continue going up. So if you hold your assets in gold, you're well uh, hedged. Okay. Also in cryptocurrencies, uh, because okay, so. You need to understand, uh, now you need to look at it from a global perspective. When money is printed, for example, as you've seen in the Fed, etc., there's more money chasing fewer goods. Sindio. So on relative terms, uh, assets and commodity prices, actually that's among the things that's making commodity prices going up other than the supply chain shocks. The prices of these goods will go up because a lot of printing is happening. In fact, the, I believe the Senate uh, yesterday passed um, legislation that's I'm not sure if it's the Senate or the oh, it's the House. Sorry, the House uh, passed legislation that allowed the 1.9 trillion um, by uh, who is this by, by the Biden administration to go through. It's going to the Senate, and so most likely the 1.9 trillion will actually reach the economy. Now, with the economy opening up, we don't know if that will really lead to direct inflation rather than assets 
uh, inflation. Okay. But um, so assets like Bitcoin, assets like uh, gold, etc., will go up. Now avoid treasuries. Okay. So when you're investing, you need to look at two things. You need to look at real um, real returns and nominal returns. Nominal returns are the returns you'll receive. Um, as advertised in a sense. So, for example, if you're investing in a 10-year bond, it's offering you 12%. Your nominal return rate is that 12%. Your real return is the return after inflation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, if inflation is 20%, your real return is negative 8%. That's, that's why you avoid uh, fixed, uh, sorry, treasury bills and bonds because the, they get badly affected by inflation. Actually, Warren Buffett uh, recently in his letter, letter to... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, That was a good one. Yeah, yeah. He actually <laughs> said that uh, the holders of bonds will be badly affected going forward and have been badly affected even in the past. In fact, a good place to be is, um, with regard to the stock market, is with a particular focus on stocks that have tangible assets. Yeah. You get. And for a, the reason being is that let's say a company like um unga if inflation hits unga will just increase its prices so it's like acting as a hedge so you get so then they're not that really being infected uh, affected you you're the one who's being affected because you're feeling the price increments but them um they're almost remaining the same because they their rates or the prices of their goods and services adjust to inflation so that's a good place to be with regard to if you want to focus on um us uh the stock market yeah all right. Um, I think maybe that's it when we're looking onto markets. And just a little bit to look onto uh, the final thing about a few recommendations that we're seeing various investment banks give up this week. And um, just starting off, we're seeing uh, the last time we had a discussion, we saw FIDE Investment Bank maintain a recommendation, um, a, a buy recommendation for Kenya Re. And right now, the company is still maintaining a hold recommendation for Kenya Re. At the same time, we're seeing Genges Capital this week issue a buy recommendation, a long-term buy recommendation on East African Breweries Limited. Those are a few counters that we can also just be able to have a little bit of a look on uh, next week as we have another podcast session on Monday. Uh, today, as markets have opened, just to give you a little bit of an overview how markets have opened today, uh, still just as we mentioned, NMG is still on top of the gainers list. Um, NMG has moved um, about 58,500 shares at market open, uh, still up 9.94%. Uh, followed closely, following closely is Kenya Insurance Company, which is um, which is on the list for one of the investment banks that we mentioned earlier on, 8.43%. And also just to mention, we're seeing a little bit of some activity on Diamond Trust Bank, uh, gaining up just a little bit high of 1%. one 1%. Loser side, it's interesting to note that Cooperative Bank, Scan Group, major companies that we've been looking on, uh, Scan Group is down 1.7% uh, and Cooperative Bank about 1.15%. Uh, looking a little bit on also how the data is on, on the market, just to give you an overview of Nation Media Group. Nation, Nation Media Group, the demand is still 233,900 shares, total demand. Top demand being at 1770, uh, that's 17 shillings and 70 cents per share. There is no supply on Nation Media Group. On Diamond Trust Bank, we are looking at a demand of 58,700. This is at 10:15 a.m. Um, 
we are seeing a total demand of 58,700 and a supply of only 12,000. Looking on scan group, we are having a demand of 168,000 and a supply and, 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 and a supply of about 129,700. Uh, the supply is high at 6 shillings where we have about 100,000. Uh, 100,000, uh, 102,000, um, 100,200 uh, in supply and also just to look into cooperative bank which we've also had a look at, Copbank demand still high at about 247,000 and uh, supply just 16,400. These are interesting counters, they've opened the market with a little bit of activity, it will be interesting to see how they perform um, when uh, at the end of the week, so we'll also be able to have a little bit of a look onto this next week. If you're wondering where we're getting this data, we're getting this data from HISA, uh, HISA app, which you can also be able to download on your Android or, or iOS um, phone and just have a little bit of a look, or your Apple phone, just have a look at, at, at HISA app and just um, also continue. We This podcast will be uploaded on HISA. Have a lovely week. Thank you. Bye.